The first reading is Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 1 and 4 to 14. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. It said, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city into which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name, I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to you to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Second reading is from Peter's first letter, chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to have suffered grief of, in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though re refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end results of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
It's a joy to be back in community uh, with you all here at 10.30, and uh, a great joy to see so many faces and uh, so many new faces as well uh, here in this community. Uh, 1 Peter, the book of 1 Peter really is, I would say, the handbook for our time. Uh, It is a pre-Christendom book uh, written uh, for post-Christendom times. Uh, Michael Frost defines this era as the culture that emerges as the Christian faith loses coherence within a society that has been definitively shaped by the Christian story and as the institutions that have been developed to express Christian convictions decline in influence. Justine Toe from the Centre of Public Christianity noted that there has developed in the this public sphere at least a culture of contempt towards Christian belief and teaching in Australia. The Apostle Peter will encourage us to live lives that are marked by a humble confidence, that in a hostile world, we may actually have grace and peace in abundance. Peter, the author of this letter, was one of the 12 disciples. Uh, Some argue that he was the closest to Jesus. He was certainly a passionate follower of Jesus. He was a broken man. He was a restored man. He knew the life of Jesus better than anyone. He knew the grace of God better than anyone. And he is the perfect person to counsel us on living in a hostile world. Who is Peter writing to? Well, his letter was written to men and women of Christian faith somewhere between 62 and 64 AD uh, during the reign of the Emperor Nero. These Christians are finding themselves being pushed to the margins uh, because of their faith in Jesus. Some of them were being socially maligned, others were having legal action taken against them. It's a letter written to churches that do not have the popular voice in their society. It's a letter written to Christians about what it means to uh, live in a culture that is not predominantly Christian and how to relate to those who are persecuting you for your faith. Uh, 1 Peter is the handbook for our time. Peter is going to encourage us to live lives of grace and peace, to carry ourselves with a humble confidence that suffers well. To suffer well means to not repay evil for evil but rather to repay evil with blessing. To suffer well means to not fear the threats of those who have not yet come to follow Jesus. To suffer well means to live such good lives that whatever people say about your beliefs, they cannot fault your goodness and your love. As the theologian Miroslav Volf noted, only those who refuse to be defined by their enemies can bless them. But how can we reach this place of humble confidence? Uh, The opening of Peter's letter gives us the key. The only way you can live such a life is if you are living out of a well-established, deeply held sense of personal identity. And, And this is where his letter begins. 
So let me pray and ask God to help us understand Peter's letter to us this morning. Let's pray. Lord and Father, open our ears that we may hear, open our minds that we may know, open our hearts that we may receive your love and your words into our lives and that you may change us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontia, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Here Peter gives those who follow Jesus a new identity as exiles. Now, there are different ways to translate this word exiles. You could use the word foreigners, sojourners, temporary residents. Justine Toe suggests uh, refugees may be the closest term that resonates with our modern ears. It's a term of identity, however you translate it, and it refers to someone who is currently living somewhere which is not their real home. Residents who eat the same food, walk the same streets as the locals, they recognise to a certain degree that, yes, this is where I live, but they have a culture, a history, a sense of self that is entirely different. Strangers, sojourners, refugees, exiles. Uh, This identity marker that Peter uses for the early Christians, and indeed for us today, uh, is not accidental language. Because exiles is, in fact, a well-worn phrase throughout the Bible itself. It originates from the Old Testament. As Adam and Eve were cast from the garden out into a land that was theirs but not theirs, exiles. It originates from when Abraham and his wife Sarah were called to leave their country and their kindred and to go out to make something new under God's hand, exiles. It finds its shape in the literal capture and exile of the nation of Israel into Babylon, where we follow Daniel, an Israelite who is woven deep into Babylonian society, and yet his identity is rooted in Jerusalem and the promises of God. But really, this term exile finds its true clarity in the person of Jesus, who the Apostle John wrote, came to that which was his own, but his own did not accept him. Jesus was a stranger in this world. He was crucified as a stranger because our world into which he came was estranged from God. And so, as Peter begins his letter to those who follow this Jesus, he gives us identities as exiles, temporary residents, sojourners, And I wonder how that identity sits with you as you hear it. Uh, Does it resonate with you? Does it intimidate you? In Christ, I am an exile. But it's important to ask, what, what has occurred for such an exilic identity to be established? And Peter writes, he goes on, to God's elect 
who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood. You see, according to Peter, being a Christian is far more than just joining a Sunday club. Uh, Or even it's more than just aligning yourself with an ideology. It is a cosmic realignment that takes place within humanity through the work of Jesus. It is a cosmic realignment in which God the Father chooses through the work of the Spirit to set us apart for a purpose, to set you apart for a purpose, which is what sanctify means, to be set apart. And what has God set us apart for? For for fame or fortune or personal promotion or self-gratification? No, Peter writes, we are set apart by God's Spirit for the primary goal of obedience to Jesus. Obedience to Jesus. Which is another way of saying that God the Father is restoring our true humanity as image bearers. We become God's hands, God's feet, and God's voice in this broken world. Why are we to identify as exiles? Because God the Father has reached into this world and through His Son and the Holy Spirit has reclaimed and is setting us apart, a restored humanity. As the Apostle Paul writes in Colossians 1, for He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Isn't it interesting that Peter begins by noting uh, that God is the difference maker, not you. Uh, It's not me trying really hard to be different because I'm a Christian. It's me realizing that before I do a single thing, I am different because God has set me apart from this dark world and welcomed me into the kingdom of the Son He loves through faith in that Son, Jesus. God is the distance maker, and He then invites you and I to to live into that identity that He has called us into. Now, there's a lot in these first two verses, isn't there? It's just the first two verses of the letter. And to be honest, I usually read over this stuff and get on to kind of the body of the letter. But I think you'll find that everything in, one, in Peter's letter is built off the opening three, four, nine verses that we're reading this morning. How are we to live in a hostile world? We are to live as exiles, as temporary residents. We are to live the way of Jesus, who is the suffering Messiah who died for His enemies, we are invited into His eternal kingdom to be His hands and feet in this world. And so to Church Hill, uh, to God's elect, scattered through the CBD, the inner west, the lower north shore, the eastern suburbs, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. 
Now, we could finish the talk there with the image of an exile, an exile set apart by God for obedience to Jesus, and perhaps, whatever reason, that is the image itself that you need to take with you today from this community into your week. And if it has resonated with you, then write something down and capture that. But we are going to read on as Peter continues to write, and what we'll see is he shifts the image from exiles to children. And in fact, the child or family language, I think, provides more depth as to why we take the identity of exiles in this hostile world. So Peter writes, "'Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.'" In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. In all this, you greatly rejoice. About 75 years ago, my grandfather, who died before I was born, um, built a house down the south of Sydney on the Crookhaven River. Uh, it's a little house, it's a cottage really, has a tin boat, fishing gear, it's got a great view over the river, and a table that is perfect for playing board games. Um, after his death, that house went to my father, and on the day that my father passes away, this house will become mine and my brother's. Uh, it's our inheritance. Several weeks ago, I was down the south coast at this place with my, Naomi, my wife, and my 16-month-old son, Jed. And I said to Jed as we were down there, uh, this is your house. Now, my son is 16 months old. Um, he walks, but, you know, he's at the stage where he always looks like he's going to fall over, but he never does. Um, he can't speak yet. He can say, Mama, Dada, but that's it. He has not worked a day in his life, he has no social standing or professional capital, and yet he has his own house on the Crookhaven River down the south coast. What an absurd concept. Jed, this house and land is yours. I mean, he doesn't even, he doesn't even come close to understanding this. Um, he just likes running outside and splashing in the puddles. But this house is my son's. How could it be? Because he was born into the family. The work of his grandfather secured this house, and it's now his, from no work of his own. He was born into the family. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. In Christ, you are an exile, a sojourner, because you've been set apart and born into a new family. It is not dependent upon your achievements. You have been given new birth. It is wholly and solely dependent upon the family you are in. Uh, it could well be true that the inheritance that God has lined up for us, we have no way of comprehending. 
We're splashing in the puddles with no concept of how big the inheritance is. But it's there, and it's ours, and it is secure. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. Now, the rest of Peter's letter, and especially his guidance on how to follow Jesus in a hostile world, uh, will make no sense unless you and I grasp this central reality. Set apart, new birth, new family, inheritance. And I wonder what thoughts enter your mind, what emotions enter your heart when you just sit with this reality. Could this actually be true? Perhaps there are too many Christians who are still competing to win, as if something was dependent upon our efforts, Uh, perhaps competing to win social standing, uh, competing to win political clout, a voice, competing to win their arguments. But as Peter writes to those who are being marginalized and persecuted, his opening word is key. If you are in Christ, you have won. You've been adopted into God's eternal family, which means you're no longer competing. The highest achievement in the human experience has been given to you. In Christ, you can breathe. There is confidence, there is certainty, but it is a humble confidence because it is all from the grace and the goodness of God Himself. Only those who refuse to be defined by their enemies can bless them. I wonder if you've ever watched the final stage of the Tour de France. Uh, Usually, the last, by the last day, the winner has been established. So, as a result, the final leg through the city of Paris is the celebration after all the hard work has been done. Uh, The leader wears the yellow jersey and rides with joy. Technically, the race is still going. It's the last stage of the tour, but he's not competing. He's not strategizing, nor is he trying to outride the other cyclists. And why is that? Well, because he knows he's already won. At times, it can be tempting to act as if we're still in the Pyrenees trying to win the final stage. But according to Peter, through the work of Jesus, the race has already been won. And we are now in the final stage. We are in Paris, we're in the kiddie's seat on the back of the bike, and Jesus is riding to victory. Your inheritance has been secured. There are a lot of voices at this time that will give you a hard time, that will call you weird or dangerous or evil for following Jesus. You don't need to compete with these voices. Um, It's not a competition. I mean, it was a competition... But that was 2,000 years ago, and it was won by Jesus when He rose from the dead. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He's given us new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So how am I to live in a hostile world? Well, firstly, I'm not of this world, so I don't need to try and win this world. I am an exile, I'm called into a new kingdom by God. And this allows me to live in this world, to be present in this world, like Daniel in Babylon, like Jesus in Jerusalem, engaged with my city, but living with a quirky uh, distance. It reminds me of what David was sharing about Teach Beyond. Engaged in the city, but living with a quirky difference. It reminds me of our city care lunch. Engaged with our city, but living with a quirky difference. A quirky distance which allows me the space to bless others as an exile, a sojourner of God's kingdom. And secondly, I have been born again into God's eternal family. How am I to live in a hostile world? Well, I'm a child of God. My inheritance is sorted and there is no longer any competition. Um, There is no fight to be won. There is no fight to be won. You have been set free to bless others from a Christ-orientated place of humble confidence. So, Churchill, uh, to God's elect, exiles scattered through the CBD, the inner west, the lower north shore, eastern suburbs, to those who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood, in this hostile world, may grace and peace be yours in abundance. Amen.